You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll unpack the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Legally Bliss Conversations, and I would love to welcome Lauren Fair. Lauren is a former divorce litigator turned divorce coach. She coaches people through divorce and rebuilding who want to handle the legal process and life transition mindfully, confidently, strategically, efficiently, and with non-judgmental support. Lauren is a licensed to practice in the state of California and is designated a certified family law specialist by the California State Board of Legal Specialization. She is the managing partner of Fair Cadora APC, a boutique family law firm in San Diego, where she mediates and consults on complex family matters. Her most treasured roles are as mom to her two young kids, stepmom to three teenagers, and wife to her law partner husband. So welcome, Lauren. I'm so happy that you joined me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Susie. It's lovely to be here. So why did you go to law school? <laughs> you know, I love it when people laugh about when I ask them that question. They kind of give me that, oh, oh goodness. <laughs> um, you know, I, I got to the end of college uh, where I had been pursuing a degree in international business. And what was great about international business was there were so many options available at the end of it. And the worst thing about international business is that there were so many options available at the end of it. And I really just didn't know exactly what the next step was for me. And I had taken some law courses in college, uh, business law and some estate planning and taxation courses. And I was really interested in them and had gotten good feedback, particularly from my business law professor who had encouraged me to go to law school. And so I think at the end, it was just really more like, I'm not exactly sure what my next step is in terms of what I would like for a job. And I want to continue my education. And it was something that I was excelling in. So yeah, I just decided, okay, I guess we're going to law school. <laughs> I think that's a very common story, honestly, right? Like you get out of college and you're like, well, I'm really not sure what to do. So let's just extend this education thing up just a few more years. So yeah. how was law school? It was a really good education. It was a really good education. I think in the first year, I, I struggled for a little bit just in my mind with, is this really what I want to do? Um, and I decided to wait until the end of the first year to make a final decision on, do I want to keep doing this or don't I? And ultimately at the end of the first year, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep doing this. And so, uh, you know, I really made a lot of great connections with people in law school. It, of course, changes how you think about things. And, uh, I really think it's an, it was an invaluable education. Yeah. So you went to law school. Did you, 
know what area of the law you wanted to go into after you graduated or kind of before you graduated? I thought in going to law school that I would go into maybe international corporate law or something similar because I was still kind of thinking I wanted to expand my experience that I had in college with international business and, you know, some internships I had had in that area. And I thought, well, maybe international corporate law or something similar would be a nice next step. And then I got to law school <laughs> and I took some classes in international law and I kind of reevaluated, like, I'm not really sure this is actually what I want to do. I, during a lunchtime, uh, like career seminar it was like a small business, um, or small law firm rather panel, uh, for alumni of the law firm who had come back to talk about their experiences working in a small law firm environment. I met actually two women attorneys who had graduated from the law school about four years before I had, and they had started their own family law firm. And they had mentioned actually during the panel that they were just starting to hire, you know, they were getting to the point where they were able to add staff. And I am not really sure what possessed me actually in hindsight, but I went and I talked to them after uh, the panel was over and um, we got to talking about the opportunity. I ended up applying for it and they hired me and I was actually their first employee. And that's how I got started in family law was in my 2L year. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like things happen for a reason, right? And it's almost like, it's almost like you were pulled towards that. There was something about those two women, I wonder, that just really drew you. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely found them to be inspiring and thought, wow, if they can start this on their own, like, that's just really, that's cool. It's not something I had really even thought about, I think, at that point, about starting my own firm. It was not something that was on my mind when I went to law school or when I thought about getting a job up to that point. So yeah, I wanted to see more what it was all about. And family law just seemed really interesting to me. Um, the idea of, instead of you know doing international corporate law where maybe your client was, it just didn't have the, a face in the same way that a client you know that you're representing through their divorce does, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What was that like for you? The first, your first few years of working for a small firm? It was great. It was such great experience because I did like a little bit of everything. Um, there's a program through the California state bar where you, um, it's called the certified, certified law student program. Um, I believe it is where you can, under the supervision of an attorney, represent clients in court, even though you're technically not licensed yet, because you haven't taken the bar. Um, and so I did that program where one of the attorneys there supervised me. And so I got to go to court and argue a few motions for clients. And so I did kind of, you know, attorney all the way from attorney work, all the way down to, you know, making copies and calling people about their bill being passed due and, <laughs> Uh, I helped them a little bit with certain small business management aspects because I had had some experience in that prior to law school. It was just a really great experience uh, to be able to come into that law firm when it was really in its early stages and to be able to see them grow it in the way that they did. And they, they were very successful in doing that. So it was, it was a real great experience for me to see what was possible. That's amazing. And it sounds like to me that you're one of those people that you, you just automatically or just internally have an entrepreneurial spirit. 
I do. And I think it was really in law school that I more stepped into that uh, possibility. Prior to that, not so much. I mean, I, I was raised um, in a family where both my parents were very hard uh, workers and kind of worked for the same employers for long periods of time. And it wasn't something that I grew up with as an example. Um, but I really think through that experience in law school of working for others who had started their own law firms, and it had really opened my mind to the possibility that, you know, maybe this is possible for me too. So at what point did you leave that firm or kind of like think that you wanted to strike out on your own? So I stayed at that firm as a law clerk up through when I graduated law school. And then, and this was in the Bay Area. So um, I had gone to college in San Diego and I was married at the time. My husband uh, was stationed in San Diego and I really wanted to get back to San Diego. And so um, they, my bosses at the time, they were very generous and were um, in discussions with me about continuing on as an associate. And, but I really wanted to come back to San Diego. So I moved back down to San Diego while I was studying for the bar. And then I started working at a large family law firm in San Diego County while I was, um, finishing up bar studies and everything. So I actually started working there as a law clerk. And then when I passed the bar, I became an associate attorney there. And then ultimately, um, I, from there started my own firm, and then ultimately partnered with who's now my husband. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is so fascinating. At what point did you decide to start integrating the coaching aspect into your practice? It was actually shortly after COVID happened, <laughs> you know, because changed everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was a forced slowdown for everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, I had been litigating um, at that point for about 11 years or so. Yeah. Full time. Serious experience under your belt. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of like major life happenings that went on during that period of time. And I really felt like I was in survival mode up to that point so much. You know, it was like always busy, if you will. You know, I almost... <laughs> anytime that someone would ask me like, Oh, how are you? It's like, Oh, so busy. Like, it was just like a badge of honor that I was just so busy all the time. And as soon as I honestly just got to the point where I was like, I am so sick of hearing myself say that I am busy. Like I, I, and with kids and I had kids in the interim and I was just feeling like I was pulled in a lot of directions and really almost until COVID, like I had this impression that like, I just couldn't slow down, you know, just there's with a full family law case that I had and managing the law firm and the employees and doing all the stuff with the kids at home. And, you know, I think a lot of us are pulled in a lot of different directions like that. Um, and when COVID happened, it was the first time in my career that court closed. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden, um, a lot of client problems I was either trying to help them solve cooperatively with the other side, or we just had a table until court was reopened. And so it was an opportunity really to slow down and reevaluate. What do I really want to be doing 
you know, in the next 10, 20, 30 years. And I really had a realization that I did not want to continue to litigate um, full time until I retired or died behind my desk. So I actually, at that point, I was like, you know what, I need, I need to figure this out. I need to figure out what the next step is for me. I, I had a sense like it was something, but I didn't know what it was. And I had at points in my career, like rebelled against staying in family law for the long term. But then I'd always come back to like the thought that it's just not possible for me to do something else at this point. Like I'm too tracked into this. Um, you know, I, I would think about other opportunities and then, you know, my brain would just be like, nope, this is just too complicated. You're too far into this. This is what you got to stick with, you know, and it's not a fact. It's just a thought, right? (laughs) It's just a thought, but it felt really true. Sure. Sure. Really true. Right. And so, um, I actually hired a life coach at that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, to try to help me figure out what else can I do here? Like, what are the other possibilities? And so around that time I started, um, actually I found a life coach school and I started in the coach certification program and kind of through having my own life coach and going through the certification program, I really started to realize that maybe it is possible for me to do something else. You know, I met some really amazing people, um, some really amazing professional women in that community that had made the shift from full-time law practice into something else, or, um, you know, from full-time law practice into part-time law practice and something else. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those women were lawyers, doctors, um, therapists, you know, real mix of professionals who had done this. And so I think it was good evidence for my mind to go, okay, you know, if they can do this, maybe, maybe I can too. Uh, Maybe this isn't actually impossible for me to do something else. It's kind of analogous to like how your career sort of started, started out. Like it was, you had met the women that inspired you, right. That kind of showed you what was possible in terms of them owning their law, their own law practice. And then it's like, here you are in 2020 (laughs) and you're, you know, learning from these women who are professionals who've done something different, right? Like they're showing you, they're an example of what else is possible and that you're not just pinned into practicing law your entire life or practicing family law. And that there's even different ways, there's different ways to practice. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you know, there, there's a lot about family law that I liked, mm-hmm. um, but there was a lot about it that I think over time too, I became a little bit maybe frustrated with in that, you know, family court orders can solve a lot of problems. And there's also a lot of problems that they can't solve. Mm-hmm. And I think that became a lot more clear to me after years of litigating that these families needed help. Mm-hmm. in ways that the family court could not provide. Mm. And I also saw that there was really a gap between the services that an attorney provides and the services that a therapist provides. And that's where I really kind of started looking into or considering what would it be like to help people who are going through this major life transition mm-hmm. um, 
that involves a legal process that I happen to know a lot about um, in a way that might be able to serve them differently. And so that's kind of where I started considering, well, what if I stepped into coaching people going through divorce? I, I also really wanted to spend more of my time helping parents going through divorce learn to handle that transition as healthily as possible to reduce the negative impact of it on kids. Because I think, you know, you can go to court and you can win the battle, but lose the war. And really, um, in the end, it's really the kids that end up losing out the most when there is a lot of conflict. But one thing I really enjoyed um, in representing clients was seeing like the personal transformation that they went through just from the beginning of the case to the end and seeing how impactful it was for them to be able to get through that really difficult time in their lives and move on to the next chapter. And I found that to be really rewarding to be able to support them in that role. So I think it was those things that kind of really got me thinking about using coaching as a way to help people that also allowed me to kind of step back from litigating, which was something that hadn't always been a stretch of my personality in certain ways. Like I realized over time, like I, I'm good at this, but there's something about it. And I think it's the, the degree of adversarialness that just never really felt like in alignment for me and that it was a stretch of my personality to do it the way that I needed to do it to be successful. Um, and so you can manage your mind around that as much as you want to. Right. And I think it did get easier. I think in the beginning, like I kind of told myself, this is just like an area for growth for me. Like I just need to do this more and manage my mind around it. And, you know, this is just where my work is. And I, I do think to a degree that was true and that I, it did get easier over time, but it still never felt like this is really what I want to be doing, you know? So do you find that coaching and, and integrating that more fulfilling than practicing law, or is it just different? That's a good question. I think that it's just different. I think it was fulfilling to represent clients in family court, you know, through a really like complex system that is difficult to navigate anyway. But then when you're going through a really emotional time, it's difficult to sometimes just even get through the day, let alone try to figure out a really complex system and how to navigate within it. Um, and so I think it was really satisfying being able to help them get the orders that they needed in that way and get them through from beginning to end. But I do think it's fulfilling as well to be able to help them in a more personal way with the coaching. Um, it, and it in some ways feels like a, a more holistic approach to helping them um, because you know we, we coach on things like strategy, like the legal process, but we also coach on things like mindset, like becoming aware of their feelings how their feelings are impacting what they're doing in terms of interactions with 
their spouse in terms of how they're interacting with the attorney, how those things might be impacting what their legal goals are, and really like looking at the next chapter for them, you know, healing and setting goals for the future and what's the future going to look like. And that to me, I find very fulfilling because it's, it's being able to help them, I think, in just a more holistic way and being able to help them fill in the gaps where family court is not able to, you know, resolve a particular issue for them. Right. It's probably much more rigid. Um, have you ever worked with a client who decided to not proceed with their divorce? Oh, yes. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash bliss for an exclusive introduction. Yeah, so sometimes we definitely uh, will look at, do you or do you really want a divorce? You know, um, that's kind of like the early stage coaching when people are undecided and they're the ones considering initiating the divorce, you know, oftentimes. And we look at, do you, what would that look like, you know, for you to go through that? Um, and sure. Yeah. We coach on whether or not to get divorced. And sometimes ultimately people end up choosing to stay married. Yeah. It's it, one thing that's interesting though, to kind of have for context with that is was really spending some time recently with some clients on the grief process and how going through the grief process during divorce can impact your actions. Kind of like what I was mentioning earlier about looking at your feelings and, and how are they showing up in your behavior throughout the process or your decisions. Right. And, um, choosing to stay in the marriage sometimes can be part and parcel of the bargaining stage of the grief process. Um, and so it can be really helpful to really unpack, like, what are the reasons that you were wanting to stay and have it be a really mindful decision? Like, is this something that you really want to do? Or is this just sort of a reaction to the stage of the grief process that you're in? Um, you know, what, like what has changed that might be able to make this work. And I think it can be really helpful for people to look at that more closely, because I know from the legal side of things that when you sort of rush to dismiss a divorce case, oftentimes it doesn't end up sticking, you know, and you end up wasting money and time and kind of starting the process over again, sometimes, you know, a week later, <laughs> you know, or a few months later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a great thing about, about the coaching process is that a lot of what we do in that is really making sure that you're making the decision that you want to make. And also 
Um, sometimes clients just want to feel like they have done everything that they can do before they decide to end the marriage, right? Yeah. Basically, it's a huge decision. It's a huge, you know, life transition. So of course that makes sense. Um, and so it's just good to be able to have a forum to really look at that with some non-judgmental support, um, to be able to make the best decision for them, whatever that decision is. Right. And decisions that come from not a place of like complete emotional turmoil, right? right? Like, which I'm sure that you're, you help guide them through that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I was referring to about, you know, being in the bargaining stage and that being one of the possible actions that people take. And that usually comes from, um, sometimes if there's kids involved, there's guilt that is starting to come up about how this may impact the children. And sometimes people then reconcile kind of out of obligation, like a sense of obligation, like not because I truly want to reconcile, but because it's coming from, you know, this feeling of guilty and not wanting to feel that way anymore. And that's, that's what you want to avoid is taking an action that ultimately is not what you want, because you just think that taking that action is going to make you feel better. I mean, I think that this type of coaching has have, it has to be life-changing for people that are going through such an emotional, um, time in their life. When, like you said, like there are a lot of com- complex decisions that have to be made for people, right? Like, so it's hard enough when you add on the emotional turmoil, like it's having your coaching has got to be key for people. Yeah. I think it can be really useful to be able to save on attorney's fees, to be able to give your attorney better direction. No, you're not going back and forth or you're not telling them to take actions that are based on just you coming from a really negative emotion in that moment. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, I'm curious, like when you were practicing before you got into coaching and you were practicing law, um, did you have a lot of clients who were almost like trying to lean in on you, like as a therapist rather than a coach just by nature of the, like you being a divorce lawyer? Yes, Yes, definitely. I always say like, I really think that the practice of family law is much more, um, focused on managing people than it is sometimes like the actual legal issues. I mean, sure. There's, there's the practice of law involved in it. There's legal issues. Sometimes there's, you know, complex or novel legal issues, but so much of what, what we do as family law attorneys is focused on really like the the counseling aspect of the practice of law. And also sometimes, yeah, it does cross into uh, the client kind of wanting you to kind of serve as a therapist, which is, you know, not what we're there for or trained to do. Right. Um, (laughs) so I do think that there is a lot of utility to having a divorce coach to be able to go to, um, both for money saving reasons and just for, you know, being able to have that neutral space to be able to hash out a lot of the things that, um, you otherwise might be giving the attorney some like, unclear direction on what you want. Right. And that way you can go to your, your attorney or divorce lawyer and be that much clear with your direction. So do you primarily work with women? No, I mean, I'm open to coaching men, but most of, most of the clients that I have are women. Throughout the week, what percentage of your week would be spent on coaching versus, um, practicing law at this point? At this point, I would say it's probably 60% on coaching, 40% on 
the law firm. And I say the law firm because I'm not litigating really as much at all anymore. I'm, I manage the firm. Um, and also sometimes I will um, take mediations or I'll consult on cases, but it's really more on like a, what am I interested in working on sort of basis? Yeah, sure. Isn't that a good it, place to be? It is. Right? It is. It is. It really wasn't that long ago that I didn't really think that was a possibility. So I really think that that's, you know, a really important thing for, for people that are considering doing something else, kind of breaking out of like the traditional maybe practice of law role that they're in is just being open to it being a possibility that they could do something else, you know, as really a first step. Like you don't have to believe right away that it's totally possible. But even if you could just be open to the idea that like, maybe this could be possible for me um, is a really good first step. Mm -hmm. I love that. So when you look back at your career, who do you think has inspired you the most? Yeah, it's difficult to say because there are so many different people that have had influence over me for sure. Brooke Castillo was uh, a big, um, uh, source of influence and in that it was because of her that I decided to go through the coach certification program and really kind of open my mind to how I would be able to make this transition. But, you know, actually in some ways, um, my husband, who's my law partner, he also inspired me because around the same time that I was starting to expand my mind about doing other things beyond just the full-time litigation. He was exploring other opportunities for himself too. And he really just had this belief in himself that like, of course I can do something else. Um, why couldn't I? And that was one of the factors that had me really step back and go, well, I mean, if he can do this, like, why couldn't I? Um, and so, yeah, I think that was definitely one factor that had me in that space of being more in belief that I could transition into something else. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's funny because you are the second person that I've heard today who has, who said that they've been inspired by their husband. And I think that that's really sweet because I don't think that we often give a shout out to our, our life partners. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's like, you know, like we complain about things like he didn't put the dishes <laughs> up or he, he didn't take out the trash, like whatever, you know, but I think it's just so sweet and endearing when you hear someone give kind of a shout out to their, to their spouse. It was actually, um, Gabby Bernstein that I was, she was on a podcast today that I was listening mm -hmm. to and she was asked, they asked her who inspires you. And she said her husband, and it was because he does a lot of the inner work, um, on some of like his past traumas and things like that. So I just thought that was really interesting. I think it's kind of serendipitous that you mentioned that, that your husband inspired. Oh yeah. That's too, so, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, for all his faults, I mean, yeah. he, he really, um, helped open my eyes to other possibilities. And he's also been super supportive yeah. in helping me make the transition out of, you know, doing the litigation at the law firm, because, you know, we built the firm together. And so I really felt like his support was important. So if you could write, um, a letter to little Lauren the day after she graduated from law school, what piece of advice would you give her? 
Oh, uh, that's a good question. I think just that it would be, it's important to spend time really inventorying what you really want. What are your values and your priorities and really get in touch with those and know that you can build a business practicing law or related to law or unrelated to law, right? That aligns with what those desires, values, and priorities are. Like you're not necessarily limited by what your classmates are doing or what the traditional path is. And that you really need to have confidence in your ability to create that for yourself because you totally can. I love that. Got to watch out for those social constructs. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next for your career? I, I would like to shift completely into coaching at some point. Um, I think that's what's next for me. So where can people find you, Lauren? Well, you can find me on my website at www.laurenfaircoaching.com. And, uh, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Lauren Fair Coaching or on LinkedIn at Lauren Fair. Awesome. And that's F-A-I-R. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Yeah, it was was. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Hickson. See you next time.